now. Do I have your full attention? Screw you. Hello to Yogi. Hello to Boo Boo. Hello to Scooby Doo. Barney and Bradley. Don't forget your goat leggings. Well, par me all over the place. So it is raining on and off again. I don't know what it is. Every time we sit down to record, it starts to rain here. And I should point out how weird that is because we're in the middle of a drought and it doesn't rain nearly as much as it should here, but it's just always when we record. So if we keep this up and keep recording, we could break the drought. So we could single-handedly save, we could save all, the entire region. All the Australian farmers who are currently suffering now, right <laughs> now in the drought in the um, Murray-Darling Basin, we could save all of their livelihoods. So uh, think about that when you're leaving a review for us on iTunes. Yeah, we're divine agents. <laughs> Think of the farmers. All right. So continuing with our double feature theme, we decided to do a, a big up and go for a triple feature, just really hit it out of the park. Which is, it's very arbitrary because this is really three in a set of six films, but we feel like we've seen all the rest of them just by virtue of seeing these three films. We sort of went with the three that Amelia remembered as being the most batshit insane. Yeah. And you were right. Yeah. I often yeah. am. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should um say what, what, what our theme is. Oh, fuck. Look, this is the third time we've tried to record this episode. So for- <laughs> literally the third time. Forgive us if we're a little bit loose <laughs> on structure. We did watch some of these films upwards of three weeks ago, so... Uh, so our, our theme is a screen pairing that was born out of, what, absolute necessity at RKO? Uh, desperation, I'd say. Um, I think after the success of Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire came these this pairing, which, I mean, it's like they had two stars and they're just like, that's a man, that's a woman. Let's put them together. Like making a Ken and a Barbie kiss outside the dream house. Yeah. Just mashing them together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this week we're doing three of the Anne Southern and Jean Raymond films from the 1930s. What are they from? RKO? Yeah, RKO. 1936 and 1937. Yeah, so they made a total of six films together. I don't know what the others are called off the top of my head. No one does. No one does. But as we've said, these are relaxed fit episodes where we don't do any research, so... I don't think there's much research that could be done about these movies. They're like, they just exist. Barely any of them have any information on Wikipedia, so... Yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely... This is at a... uh, I don't want to say a low point because, you know, she's making money, but it's definitely not a particularly fruitful period in Anne Southern's career, and Jean Raymond is a complete non-entity in hollywood history so in the world i wish she was never born we'll get into how much we hate gene raymond 
And this was before Anne Southern had her really successful, well, I don't know if they're really successful. They were successful enough for her to have a series of movies, like the Maisie films that MGM made those, I think. It was at MGM when she made the last one and then they fired her because she got hepatitis from an unsterilized needle. It was like not even like drug related. She was getting an injection to go to um, the UK, which obviously you need a shot for because... The English are rabid. So, okay, well, we I guess we should mention what films we did watch. Uh, they were... Yeah, chronologically, uh, the first released was Walking on Air, which came out on September 11th, 1936. Foreboding. <laughs> and then Smartest Girl in Town came out like two months after that, so they were really chugging them out. Mm. And our final film was She's Got Everything from 1937. I'm going to blow some smoke out of my ass here, but I, I think at this point, RKO has, well, RKO's run out of its first kind of slate of screen duos because everybody's left RKO by by that point. Uh, they don't have, they don't have Anne Harding anymore. I don't know if they still have Irene Dunn. They might still have Irene Dunn. I can't remember when she signs with MGM. The Connie Bennett, Joel McRae movies, which had been uh, kind of a staple during the pre-code era are over. I think for a while they might have been releasing some Miriam Hopkins movies that are made through Goldwyn. Don't quote me there, but I, I think maybe. But I, they don't really have a lot other than Fred and Ginger, I think. Yeah, we're sort of at the end of Fred and Ginger too, because it's sort of, I think, what, Carefree was 1937? Carefree's 38, but uh, yeah. 37 is um, uh, Shall We Dance, which is definitely where the, that's the decline of the, of the Fred and Ginger series. So the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Well, yeah, wasn't it only a few years after this where RKO went into... Yeah, yeah. RKO goes into receivership or whatever, and then whatever you get the, the Howard Hughes era. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they've got, this is towards beginning of the box office poison funk for Catherine Hepburn. Uh, RKO's just not really at a, a great point at that time, and they're not particularly productive. I don't know. It was just a shitty time all around, I think, at RKO, is my guess. Well, I guess... Um... This is just reflective of that. The fact that they made all of these movies in such a short amount of time, it seems that perhaps they were making them concurrently. So they were like making two shitty rom-coms at the same time. I don't know how they managed to like compartmentalize the scripts in their heads. Because they're all the same goddamn. Because they're all the same goddamn yeah, plot. It's the same like... <laughs> so it's kind of like what's going on over at Universal, where they're shooting the English Dracula during the day, and then they're shooting Spanish Dracula at night. I, I think it's probably that situation. Yeah. They have Gene Raymond hopped up on. He's on uppers, and he's working fourteen-hour days, and he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so what happens in these movies? I don't remember. Well, I, I don't care. We'll, we'll start with the first one, which is Walking on Air. Yeah, Walking on Air is the one where we start in that mansion and Anne Southern is, like, <laughs> locked in her room. Yeah, because she wants to marry a man who's a divorce, like a divorcee, and her father, who's rich, apparently, even though their house is suspiciously devoid of any other kind of furniture except a dining room table. Um... <laughs> like, refuses to let her marry him. But you'd like to tell me how to bring up children. Well, having successfully raised a spaniel and a couple of French poodles, you ought to know. Well, I haven't had to lock any of them in their rooms, have I? If one of your darn blue-ribbon poodles suddenly took a shine to some stray pup, you'd lock her up in her kennel, wouldn't you? Well, that's what I'm doing. And so she's throwing all her dinners over the balcony and generally just being quite a brat about it. Then, I don't know, I missed, like, what made her go and seek out Jean Raymond. 
I think it was some kind of newspaper clipping saying that he was like a jack of all trades looking for work. Yes. Remember? And then he has that very domestic setup with his male friend where they like share an apartment and then Jean's like cooking, um, wearing an apron. And See, it, there was the a guy, lot of a- apron content across all three films, which makes me think yeah. it was like an inside joke. Or I think so. These all felt extremely coded. Yes. All of them. Yes, but the, the, his male roommate like approaches him from the back, like he's gonna like embrace him by like wrapping his <laughs> arms around like be aproned Jean Raymond. And I remember we saw that, and we we're like, "What the fuck <laughs> is this happening?" Listeners don't need to fact check this because I wouldn't recommend they watch it. Um, <sighs> she like hires Jean to act as like a pompous French autocrat who's just like rude to everyone. She says she's gonna marry him to try and persuade her father to let her marry the other guy. She wants to make the other guy look better in comparison. D- doesn't he work at a radio station or something? Or am I in the wrong goddamn yeah, movie? Um, um, fuck <laughs> that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they really blur together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a singer, remember? And then he sings a song he that Gene Raymond same... actually wrote, which is like not a good song. But then he like sings it like three times in the movie. And it's like... And it's long. Sing another fucking song. Oh, I was I was wrong. Uh, this is not oh, the fuck. one where he sings one of his own songs. I apologize to Burt Collins. We'll cycle back Harry to Ruby. that then. Yeah, we'll go back to that. No, these are these are actual <laughs> songs because he sings like "Cabin on the Hilltop," which is a which is a real song. So we're gonna ignore that. That right. that criticism will come into play later. <laughs> Fucking hell! I can't even tell them apart. It's all the same film. Well, I do have a line that I wrote down, okay. which I know is from this film. <laughs> Where he says, how do you look when you're puttering around the kitchen cooking for your husband? What's wrong with me? Well, I sort of counted on a title and the ad said you were handsome. How do you think you look when you're puttering around the kitchen cooking for your husband? Well, I like that. Well, that's some progress. You're beginning to like something about me already. So I'm, I'm looking at my notes now, and in addition to that line, there was a line about kissing a French pancake. One minute you're determined to marry Fred Randolph, the next you're kissing this... This French pancake. I don't understand you. You know, I don't understand myself. He has such a strange fascination. Yeah. And then there's a whole running gag where men keep having their pants stolen. Okay, I I think I semi-understand this gag. It's not really a gag because it's not funny. (laughs) That's true. But Anne Southern's father hires Gene Rabin's buddy, the one that he lives in domestic bliss with, um... (laughs) to shadow Anne to make sure she doesn't run off with the divorcee. Um, and then he's like, oh, I, it's fine. I can make sure they don't elope. I'll just steal his pants because, as we all know, men only have one pair of pants and they can't get married without pants. That was the reasoning. Right. Yeah. And so, like, he just goes around stealing men's pants? Two other lines I have written down are, I think he was trying to steal my pants and no wonder I ran out of pants. My pants, what's happened? You have the pair of you took me in the garden to steal my pants. Hiya, Joe. Where you been? Working out in Beverly Hills on the Bennett Estate. Oh, with Pete. Huh? That's what he says here, Bennett Estate. Was he out there? No wonder I ran out of pants. You know, I just realized I conflated this with She's Got Everything, which is the one where her dad's dead. So I I don't know what's going on in this movie. I thought this was the same movie. Um, this is the one where he wear, like Jane Raymond wears a monocle. The yes, for time. some reason I also thought it had something to do with her having to pay off his dad's debts. But that's the other movie, so ignore everything I think I've said up until this point. Yeah, except for the part that he works at the radio station. I think that's that's the one where Jean sings the terrible song that he. It wrote. is okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Never yes. mind. Hey, we'll get back to that later. See, but for everyone listening, this is just an indicator of how similar and how terrible each of these movies were. And we yes. haven't even gotten to like the weirdest the problem, shit that happens. The problem is that because Gene Raymond is supposed to be floated as a musical lead you go into it when you see when you try and sometimes it can be difficult to like recount the plot of like a fred astaire movie for example but like you remember it because you're like oh this is where he sings you know cheek to needle cheek. in a haystack yeah. yeah or you remember it's a dance sequence or something and that distinguishes the movies but because gene raymond is so untalented you can't remember there's no linking there there's no there's no jane fonda sniffing the orange juice calling up sense memory like linkage here as an actor's studio <laughs> reference that nobody's going to remember or understand. Um, that was a bad joke. Why did I say that? Uh, so <laughs> the only thing is, yeah, like like Tiff said, the movie's very coded. There are a lot of um, kind of like sideways references to homosexuality. The pancake bit in particular, because pancake I have heard before as being, it's kind of a bit like, you know, when they used to call Valentino, Rudolph Valentino a powder puff. Like that's what the pancake thing is supposed to be, I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they do say it in reference to Gene Raymond's French persona. Yeah, and the the the, the screenplay is written by um by by Ryan James, who also wrote um he wrote a couple of of movies. I think Ryan James worked on Forty Second. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay for Forty Second Street, and um, he worked on Crooner with David Manners, and he worked on Love Is a Racket. <laughs> Um, all of which are kind of like have a little bit like they have that pre-code kind of like winking thing, you know, so that's not particularly surprising to me. Yeah, because 42nd Street obviously is like rife with innuendo. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely feel like there's something going on here. Uh, in terms of my notes, what I've written down, I have written down that Gene Raymond is a Lacroix Nelson Eddy, which we are obviously <laughs> going to address. Um, and I also have a note. Uh, just of, of historical interest because the supporting cast in Walking on Air is not significant or interesting. I mean, there's a couple of people, I guess, like, you know, Jesse Ralph and Henry Stevenson or whatever that people might recognize and, and George Meeker, but they're not, like, interesting to us. So, um, but the woman who plays the receptionist is actually not well known as an actress. She's uh, Honey Child Wilder, who is famous for potentially being the inspiration for Honey Rider from uh, Dr. No. James Bond, and has been floated as, I keep saying the word floated, has been floated as a possible inspiration for Holly Golightly. She was one of 13 children born in Macon, Georgia, and then she married an Austrian prince and apparently very narrowly uh, almost became the queen of Egypt. So, interesting woman. Holy shit. (laughs) This is before all of that. Um, She ended up up, uh, getting involved with Bob Hope. And she was on his radio show. I guess the character was named Honey Child, and um, that's where that came from. So she's she's only she only has like one scene or something. She plays the receptionist at the radio station where Gene Raymond works. But that's probably I think the most interesting thing about this movie. It's probably the most interesting thing about all these movies, to be yeah. honest with you. I kind, of, I kind of blew my load really early here on this podcast. <laughs> We're gonna have to. <laughs> no, we've still got some good stuff coming when we discuss the personal lives of a certain oh, person. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we should just do it as a quick aside um, that uh, Anne Southern obviously remembered uh, for her for her her talent, her comedic gifts, you know. So, you know, whatever. Gene Raymond remembered primarily now today as being the husband of Jeanette McDonald, the singing star over at MGM and uh, part of the very famous 
uh, Jeanette McDonald, Nelson Eddy pairing. Uh, previously, she'd made movies with Marie Chevalier. And Jean Raymond has a very complex role in the uh, the Jeanette McDonald, Nelson Eddy story, which we're going to address just as a little bit of, of, of context, because I don't know how yeah. many people really know who Jean Raymond is. Yeah. <laughs> For which I cannot blame them. Yeah. So let's, I guess, like speed run through these other two terrible yeah. movies before we start bullshitting about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the second movie was Smartest Girl in Town, mm-hmm. which was the model one that opens with the bait and switch where she's a model. Yeah. And we're to believe that she's actually a socialite, but no, she's just modeling furs. Yeah. They really don't understand Krebs is yet in America. That's why I never cross on the American boat. I don't use the French line myself. Oh, yes, I know that French line. Something about Mademoiselle from our Montier, Parlez-vous, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I guess we got him. Come on, let's go home. Right. Oh, so you don't let a lady out first. What lady? And I think the the thing that does come through in this is that you can tell that Anne Southern, she's, she's doing what she can with what she's got. She is trying, yeah. She's trying. Like, she's got some witty lines in there. She's getting some cracks in. She Like, she has a great way of delivery where she's really mm-hmm. quick talking, which is more than can, that can be said for, like, anything that Jane Raymond does. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, Anne is just, she's magnetic. She's she's mm. beautiful. She's she's so gifted. And... She has the best eyelashes in the business. Like, oh, yeah. Bar none. No, uh, I adore her. And it's just such a shame that, like, of all the potential partners to get to get paired up with, in such an exciting time as Hollywood in the 1930s, she gets stuck with fucking Jane Raymond. I know she has more chemistry with fucking Red Skelton in the fucking <laughs> yeah, movie. Literally, she's in with. like it's really insane how they thought they could make six of these films when there's yeah. like zero chemistry between them. Uh, but yeah, so this one, she Anne is a model named Cookie. Named Cookie. Well, nickname Cookie. Which is really only the name for a bird. I'm sorry if you're listening and your name is Cookie. <laughs> but you should consider changing it. <laughs> um, this one definitely has more recognizable faces in the ensemble cast. So it's got more of the RKO players like Eric Bloor and Helen Broderick. Eric Rhodes is in it too. Yeah. Um, who I love. And and in this one, um, we're to believe that Jean Raymond is rich like a millionaire, and he poses as a poor man named Smitty. Right, a male model. Uh, which, I mean... And then he basically stalks Anne Southern for the rest of the movie. Remember, there were some things I wanted to find out about you. And the answer to them all is caviar. Uh, wait a minute, you're ahead of me. As I was saying, I found out where you live. And with whom I live, my sister. Mm, that can be changed. As I was saying, I know who you have dinner with. Me. And luncheon. Me. And breakfast, my sister. Don't interrupt. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. There's one thing I'm still trying to find out. If you'd put that same effort into getting somewhere. Oh, I'm not doing so badly, only what I really want to know is, have you read any good books lately? Yes. Yeah. And she's kind of into it, which is troubling. Well, she's kind of into it, but she's also she also tells him no quite strongly quite a few times yeah it's one of those ones where he wears her down yes Mm. she's she's opposed to it basically until the single worst scene i've ever seen the (laughs) hair washing scene which is a fucking nightmare 
It was very bad. I mean, yeah, it's like, and she initiates it because she's like, "Oh, you don't want to go bald. We need to wash your hair <laughs> with this special stuff to make sure you don't go bald." And it's like, hate to say it, but um, he's already got the male pattern baldness like edges going on. He's a lost cause, and <laughs> it is very that that hairline is all the way. It's heading to Tuscaloosa. It's out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's gone. But it is uncomfortably horny, which I don't appreciate at all. Keep your shirt on. Oh, no. No, I guess you better take it off. Here, turn around, close your eyes. I'll take it off for you. I've had lots of experience hmm? with the neighbor's children. Oh. You know, I'm looking over the RKO uh, films of 1936, and it is a and it really is pretty dry. So I can understand why they have Gene Raymond making so many fucking movies that year because it's basically just like a rogues gallery of um, uh, has-beens, <laughs> I would say. Uh, you know, you got, again, I mentioned Anne Harding, who I guess is still working there at that point in time, but you got like Richard Dix, uh, George O'Brien. You've got people who really are, you know, they're on their last leg in terms of stardom. And then you have a bunch of comparatively like a minor people like James Gleason. And then you have a couple of people who uh, don't end up really hitting stardom for a very long time, like Burgess Meredith. At RKO in 1936 is fairly, fairly insignificant. So um, it, it makes sense that they would try and pump out like a shitload of these idiotic movies. Um, but I think the one that differentiates this film the most in my mind is the absolutely insane ending sequence oh yes uh wherein gene raymond desperate to get cookie back after like whatever wacky hygiene whatever he, he does pretends to attempt suicide uh and calls her in that state and you know or gets eric blore to call her um and say oh he's gonna die and so she'll rush over and like they can reconcile. But the whole sequence is so insane. The exact line I wrote down is, tell her I've attempted suicide and I'm dying. What, what, what did I tell her? Tell her I've attempted suicide and I'm dying. You're not dying. Go on, go on. Tell her I'm hovering between life and death. Yeah, but you're not At the hovering. Vanderveer Hotel. But hovering with you? Are you not hovering? Don't you understand? Yeah. If you tell her that and she comes dashing out of that door, then I'll know she loves me. And, like, he goes to the hotel and he's he puts ketchup on his forehead or something which is like not where where there'd be blood if you'd attempted suicide <laughs> like for starters um and so Anne Southern comes in and it's like oh my god oh my god and then somehow Jean Raymond's like oh I'm dying we may as well get married now and so they find a priest like just in one of the other rooms in this hotel and they get married <laughs> And um, and then Jane Raymond's like, actually, I'm not dying. Yeah, the way she finds out he's not dying is she starts, like, aggressively kissing him around his apparent gunshot wound and gets the blood in her mouth and realizes it's ketchup. And she's like, oh, you. And that's yeah. how this movie she ends. She just, like, laughs it off. She's just like, oh, you. And then, she, and then he says, oh, by the way, I own this hotel. And she's like, <laughs> oh, okay. It was really crazy. That's why I said this was one of the ones we should watch because I just remember that sequence and being like huh because like the, the rest of the film really doesn't telegraph that way until this point if you were gonna watch one of these and i don't necessarily recommend that you do but if you were i would go with that <laughs> one just because the ending is so so crazy it comes out of nowhere 
It's like the writer decided, you know what? The rest of this movie is really boring. Let's let's <laughs> throw something into the mix, which will spice things up a little. You know, um, what's what's so funny about that movie? I, I only wrote down two things about the movie. One is the line where I believe Jean describes Anne as being too ritzy for chili. No, that's the uh, the other male model that asks her out, and she's like, "Nah," and he's like, "Oh, you're too ritzy for chili." Ready, cookie? For what? Well, I thought maybe tonight you'd like to stop off for a bowl of chili. Well, I wouldn't, thank you. All right. What's the matter with her? Is she too ritzy for chili? I don't know. Maybe it's too chilly for the rest. Okay, I just assume every dumb thing that happens in these movies is coming out of Gene Raymond's stupid mouth. <laughs> um, and also there's a bit about how Anne doesn't want to date a man who earns $7.50 a day, which... <laughs> I put it into an inflation calculator, and that's about $140 a day today, which still is, like, more than a lot of people make. And also, it feels like in 1936, during the Depression, I feel like that's a pretty common amount for the audience of this particular picture to be making. So... Well, she's too ritzy for chili, so... I guess, but it just it struck me as being like, this seems potentially alienating to the audience. Oh, I'm not going to date some fucking scrub who only makes, you know, seven fifty a day. It's like, well... Well, I mean... You gotta think that scrub was Jane Raymond. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, that's like, true. Sense. She could have just been like, hmm, I just don't wanna date Jane Raymond. If I say this, <laughs> then I won't have to. But then she washed his hair and fell in love. See, it's a t- it's a tip for young players. Don't wash someone else's hair. It's very dangerous. Yeah. It's like a reverse use protection. Ginger washing her hair in is it swing time where she's washing her hair and he, he's singing the way you look tonight but it's like the opposite because it's like I hate the way that Gene Raymond looks and I, I wish that he had I was gonna say never been born but I already said that so I'm trying to <laughs> trying to think of something I wish his parents had never met I wish his bloodline had been cut off <laughs> it was it was almost as like greasy to me as basket case it just yes it's grimy it's, it's, it's a grimy scene gross it's gross i find personal grooming to be something that's not entertaining to watch on 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 screen i don't that's one of those things that to me is like i don't want to see people pick their nails i don't want to see people wash their hair it's just not something i am interested in seeing you're only interested in puppets okay because if a puppet's getting its hair washed then there's, there's some <laughs> There's a reason for that in the narrative. Just watching Gene Raymond get his scalp scrubbed is, like, repulsive to me. I can't believe Gene, I mean, Anne had to touch his, his head. She had to touch his lice. It's gross. <laughs> feel bad for her. I feel bad for Anne in a lot of respects. Yeah. Because, like, one, she had to make all these movies. But then, like, also some of the shit that happened in her life. Anne really should have sued more people. She had grounds to sue a lot of people, and she didn't do it. Like, there was, like... She was in a production and, like, one of the set pieces fell on her and, like, permanently fucked up her back. Like, she couldn't feel her feet. I'd be suing over that. I'm also amazed at how little, um, how how rarely this information, like, got out into the press. About, I mean, obviously that was, like, later in her life because I think that was, like, in the 70s. Mm. But I remember reading something in a, a fan magazine that... Maybe it wasn't even a fan magazine. It might have been a trade paper. But it was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Janet Gaynor's taking like a six-month um, leave of absence because she was in some sort of accident on the set of, of a Fox picture. And it was like she got like bucked up a horse or something. And it was making it sound like it was unreasonable Jeez. that like <laughs> she wanted to take some time off after almost being like stomped to death. You know, and uh, people rarely found out about those things. I, I, like, I was talking to my grandma about something, and she didn't know about Mary Astor's, like, financial and legal troubles, which were, like, all over the press. 
you know, that was a, a huge national story, Mary Astor's divorce case and um, the reading of her diary out, out in public as part of the court testimony. And um, I don't know what this has to do with Anne Southern, but uh, <laughs> it's fascinating, I guess, to look back at it and being like, God, people really didn't know about the behind the scenes drama in so many cases, which is befitting, I guess, for a Gene mm. Raymond episode, because the only thing interesting about him is his behind the scenes drama. Well, we'll get through the third one and then we can oh, talk yeah. all no, the I'm just, I'm itching, I'm itching. Drama. Right. Okay, so the third one we did was She's Got Everything, which uh, Candace alluded to is the one where Anne Southern is seemingly the an heiress, but her father, who's passed away, has in fact left her with only debts. And so she's got to pay off all her debts somehow. This one was weird because it was like, the main, the key players, like, I think, I feel like they were in it more than Anne Southern and G. Raymond were Helen Broderick and Eric Bloor. Yeah. As like the two offsiders who were trying to set them up together. They were in it far more. Yeah. It than, was like kind of their movie. The other two. Which was, it was an interesting way to spin it, but basically Helen Broderick and Eric Bloor, they try and set up Anne Southern to be. It's not Eric Bloor. It, it's, it's, it's Victor Moore. Oh, Victor Moore. Sorry. I, had to, I had to specify. Sorry. About it's that. okay. It's okay. Um, Victor Moore for me is just like the guy who uh, supplants um, Edward Everett Horton in, in the the Fred and Ginger. And then and then they're like, oh, fuck, we got to get back to formula and then fire Eric Victor Moore. I feel like that's what happened. Anyway, continue. I don't Todd, cut this out. Just dubbed Cand- Candace Victor Moore. <laughs> Victor Moore over me saying Eric Bloor. Yeah, they like set them up together and like they it's like i don't know gene raymond's like some kind of coffee magnate and they they set Anne up as his secretary with the hope that she'll like fall in love with him and marry him for the money because she's in debt and like she's also being stalked by three creditors yeah that was also like a running gag that was weird but, like they're not funny no that was really weird <laughs> i like I, I never figured that one out at all and one of the other jokes in it is that Anne southern doesn't like coffee yeah that's it's an important plot subplot yeah i know (laughs) that gives you an idea of how worthwhile these movies are that that's a major uh narrative thread in this movie is that Anne doesn't like drinking coffee well yeah and essentially like so she becomes a secretary and she drinks all this coffee and feels sick and faints and then for some reason they send her off on holiday is it to hawaii yeah because they sing they sing that song about how it's sleepy time in hawaii And then you get that that cool Polynesian themed nightclub where yeah, that was they your have favorite the fake rain effect. That was kick ass. <laughs> that was really cool. I think this is where Gene sings his dumb song. Um, isn't this also where the nudist appears? Candace pointed out a nudist. Did I now? In one of the beefcakes that's surrounding Anne Southern when she's at this resort. Did I point out a nudist? 
Candace cannot remember this nudist. I don't, I don't recall the nudist. I do not, but I trust that that happened because God knows I can spot a nudist anywhere. I have a, I have a, an eighth well, sense. Well, I think it was, a, he was, he was a nudist who appeared in a, a Joel McRae picture. So Joel McRae. <laughs> the, the fact that it's Joel the nudist. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I do remember now, this, but I don't remember now, the details. I, okay, I remember what. Okay, that. Okay, now, now that the Joel thing is what triggered my memory. Um, yeah, I knew yes, it would. Uh, the guy who plays. Um, I'm looking at IMDb. At the pool. Yes, I'm trying to find the guy's IMDb page. Um, give me one second. Uh, talk about talk about something else amongst yourselves while I while I find out who that guy is. <laughs> oh, Jack Carson's also in it. Oh yeah, Jack Carson is in it for like a scene. Just yeah. one. He has like three lines or something, which was crazy. We're just like Ew. yeah, it was like fetal Jack Carson, like early stages, early early onset ham face. Ah, where's the nudist? Give me the nudist. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the nudist. Oh, you know who is in this movie, though, is uh, Parkia Carcass, the uh, famous radio comedian who is today best remembered as the father of Albert Brooks. Really? Yeah. His oh, I didn't know that. This movie, yes. So that's something. These movies are so irrelevant. I couldn't remember the name of the first one while I was trying to look it up on IMDb. God, where is the friggin nudist well the other crazy element of this movie is the hypnotism <laughs> yeah that just occurs in the middle of the movie where um they employ his services to try and hypnotize Anne southern into being in distress and calling out for gene raymond because they trick him in coming down but in fact all he does is uh hypnotize helen broderick which leads to a very unsettling scene of the hypnotist trying to wake up helen broderick by like performing all kinds of like verbal and physical assault he just fucking slaps her in the face like hard which is really crazy yeah for the one hundred and last time will you wake up so wake up there here you can't strike a woman especially a sleeping woman i could kill her you've done enough you got to treat a woman gently and then yeah victor moore is like oh no don't stop doing all that you need to wake her up gently and then lee like gently wakes her up and she slaps him in the face you know as as you do but it was it was escalating so quickly i was like what is and it was like intercut with scenes of Anne and Jean like dancing and doing stuff. It's like in Some Like It Hot when they flash between uh, Marilyn and Tony Curtis on the boat and then Jack Lemon and uh, Joey Brown like dancing. <laughs> but it's like that, but like just with Helen Broderick getting fucking slapped in the face. Oh my God. Still I can't find the nudist. Where is this man? Hold on. Oh, this is so annoying to me. It'd be funny if it turned out that we were like gaslighting you. Yeah. <laughs> I totally remember this man, but I can't find him. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of searching. I'm gonna go Gene Raymond and nudist using a Boolean operator. What if you just dreamt this and then recounted it to us like it was the truth? This is so Okay, that's not doing anything for me. I'm just getting a lot of like sexy images of Gene Raymond, Raymond, which I really (laughs) don't want. Um, (laughs) And thank you. Okay, um, I can see the scene. I can, I mean, I can like, I can visualize it in my mind. But um, just like the secret, I'm going between 
the three three IMDb pages trying to find this man. And he's just like, he's eluding me. He's a phantom. He's a phantom nudist. A huge mosquito just landed on my window. It's on the other side of the glass, though. We're fine. That's hot. But it was like nearly the size of one of those ones, you know, from Jumanji, which is a great movie. I wish we had watched Jumanji instead of these movies. Do you think they're going to go ahead with the next Jumanji now that um, Kevin Hart is dead? Was in that car accident? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that, I guess. But um, yes, you should. He's a homophobe. Oh yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I don't want to Google Joel nudist because I'm just gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna find what I want. Well, Joel nudist will just come up. Joel. with, like him in Bird of Paradise. Oh. Gross. Hideous. We haven't even done a Joel McRae fucking movie yet, but we've mentioned him in every single <laughs> episode we've done he's so far. He's the only person in my life who is always supportive of my ambitions. Um, I honestly, God, can't find <laughs> no, this No, he's not. But... <laughs> honestly, he wouldn't be. If you think about him as a person, he'd be like, how much you spend on that? Sauce packets. <laughs> He would find a use for those sauce packets. I can't. I can't <laughs> lie. He would. He'd be like, "This seems awfully wasteful," and then he'd like put them on like a, a slice of, of white bread and then just eat them like that. <laughs> and then he'd be like, mm, "That's spicy." These mild Taco Bell packets. Well, I mean, like, when he was alive, they didn't have like modern <laughs> spice <Spices>. agents. <laughs> they didn't have spices. Joel was born in the 13th century before they brought paprika back from the New World. So Joel also died in 1990. So I guess they did have modern spices back. Yeah, they had Taco Bell by then. Eating Taco Bell though, I feel like Joel would not eat Taco Bell because he'd be like, "I could make this at home," and then he just wouldn't. <laughs> he just eat white bread. What I oh, I can't find this nudist Tiff. I think I'm gonna have to rely on Tiff's expertise here because I can't find this man i don't know what expertise you think i have about the random nudist in this gene raymond movie this is gonna be very fun for tiff to edit (laughs) thanks tiff it's obviously not frank jenks because nobody ever wants to see frank jenks naked robert wow that's a bit rude to frank jenks he's just just doing his best it's not robert pratt because he was a guy i guess that i saw on an episode of adam 12 and then looked up so that's not him It is. It's Onslow Stevens. Okay, it's Onslow Stevens who we're gonna reopen. Of course, it was in my bookmarks because it was a nice picture of Joel that he was in with. Um, let me see. Oh, He's in. Which one is he in? Do 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 do. Nineteen thirty. He's not showing up as being in any of these movies. <laughs> what did you fabricate this entirely? <laughs> no, I just don't know where we where he was linked from. Wait, hold on. Um, oh, he's because he's in. Ah, this is where we got it. He's in There we. Goes the Groom with Anne Southern and Burgess Meredith. And I was looking up Anne Southern movies on IMDb, and that's how I found this man. So he's not so even you in lied to us. <laughs> no, I said that. So I, think we just, I think we just misremembered the contacts because it was such a tangled web that I wove. You keep I like using the word we. It on us. <laughs> when we were like, IMDb, we did it. Movies from 1937. <laughs> no. As we are wont to do. Okay, anyway, whatever. So there's a guy who's a nudist who's not in this movie. He was in a different Anne Southern movie, Here Comes the Bride from 1937. But the man was a nudist. And he died in an incredibly bleak fashion, not connected with being a nudist, um, named Onslow Stevens. And 
Um, and he just, he was a nudist and he died. <laughs> There's no mention in his IMD bio of him being a nudist. Where did I get the, oh, it's in, it's in his IMD trivia. An avid nudist, he would often try to convince his fellow cast members of the health benefits associated with naturalism. Oh, interesting. Uh, he was um, in the Broadway production of Stage Door. And I guess when Archaea was going to import it, they signed him in 1937 so that he could appear in Stage Door, but it turns out that they cut the role that he was in on Broadway, and he's not in the movie. <laughs> oh, that's Rough. sad. He's buried in that's an unmarked grave. Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> Gee, how bleak was his death? Because he died. <laughs> Remember, he's the one who he was in a nursing home in Van Nuys, which is absolutely not where I want to end up. And... Uh, <laughs> Ew. Oh, this is the wheelchair yeah, guy. Yeah, and another patient, oh, I guess, God. knocked oh, right. over his wheelchair. And and the coroner ruled that it was not an accident. The guy fuck. just, like, knocked oh, him over and then he died. So some other old fuck murdered this man in a nursing home in Van Nuys in 1976, which, again, is bleak. bleak. So this man's not in this movie or any of these movies. But, I mean, maybe he... Well, okay. I feel like maybe he he could have been in a movie with Gene Raymond and then tried the nudist thing with Gene Raymond and he probably would have gotten like a positive response. Is this our segue into talking about Gene Raymond like and his personal life? I think so because I've already talked about everything that happens in any of these movies that I'm interested in discussing. So unless unless Todd's got some and good stuff memes. that didn't happen in these movies <laughs> at all, oh we've talked about that too. <laughs> Stop baiting me. It's not baiting if you take it every single time. <laughs> It's just me having a conversation <laughs> with you. So um, I think we should talk about the elephant in the room, which is um, Gene Raymond may or may not have fucked Buddy Rogers. May or may not. <laughs> Probably did. Is that just like, is that just like protecting ourselves? In yes, the- because I'm, I'm, I'm. Because Buddy married another woman after Mary Pickford died, and I think he had a kid. So this is just in case Buddy Rogers' daughter stumbles across our podcast and wants to say, to quote Tiff about uh, Cary Grant, he was the straightest man I ever knew. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not saying your father conclusively had sexual relations with Gene Raymond of RKO Pictures, but I'm not not saying he didn't. Just to... Point out that my other note, I had three notes written down for this, and one of my notes is the fact that every time these two were talking about Buddy in my brain, <laughs> instead of it being Buddy Rogers, my brain just went Buddy Ebsen, which is <laughs> it's very unsettling. I don't, I don't want to think about that. So we're gonna move, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna breeze past that. Yeah. Um, so as background for people who aren't immersed in this bullshit, Jean Raymond married Jeanette McDonald. And now there so some people who are not affiliated with this podcast have done a little bit of research and um, have have come to the conclusion that this was an arranged marriage on the, on the part of uh, Louis B. Mayer because Jeanette McDonald was in a relationship with her screen partner, Nelson Eddy. And that mayor was worried that if the relationship went south, so would his investment and that uh, it would ruin Jeanette at the box office. And that Jeanette may or may not have had an abortion, uh, that she may or may not have have had an abortion after uh, Nelson got her pregnant and that that may or may not have rendered her sterile. 
and that may or may or may not have tried to have Nelson Eddie killed by having him run off the road, possibly by Eddie Mannix, if I remember correctly. This is sounding very like, Your Honor, statements I may or may not have yeah. made. This is like fucking Reagan's Iran-Contra cross-examination. Yes, exactly. And uh, so the the woman um, whose name escapes me, who wrote the the very famous Nelson Eddie Jeanette McDonald bio sweethearts, who is like you know she is she is Jeanette's advocate, did acquire Jeanette's diary towards the end of her life, and it was made fairly clear in the diary, I believe, that Jean was abusing Jeanette pretty seriously. She was yeah. underweight. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, she had not, I guess, left the house in, in a long while because she was she was quite ill. Yes, um, towards the end of her life. And then Immediately after she died, he got remarried. So whatever the circumstances there, we're not we're not Gene Raymond fans. But part of the story behind this particular union is that it is alleged by these Jeanette McDonald researchers that Gene Raymond was um, more inclined. The the Gene Raymond he like he 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 wanted to. to how would you say this? <laughs> In not a disgusting way like you're yes. pussyfooting around. <laughs> that he was interested in yes, men. And that, is how yes, you'd okay, say that, it. yeah, I really was blanking there, honestly. Uh, he, <laughs> that, so it was kind Fucking of a two hell. birds, one stone scenario, you know? Uh, get, get her away from Nelson Eddy and then also lock up Gene Raymond and not having to worry about him anymore. Which is, of course, also part of that. If, the reason why people buy that theory, lend some credence to that theory, is is the idea that Gene Raymond and Nelson Eddy do look fairly alike. You know, that's why I said he's like a LaCroix, Nelson Eddy. They look like the same goddamn person, except Gene's ugly. I mean, Nelson Eddy wasn't Nelson like Eddie's not the most that yeah, good okay, looking. Right. Nelson Eddy, he's no Gary Cooper. No, Gene Raymond's not particularly good looking. And so... It is no. also alleged by these by these same individuals that when... Jeanette and Jean took a cruise, I believe it was part of their honeymoon. They were on, on the same ship as another famous Hollywood couple, one Mary Pickford and Buddy Rogers, not Buddy Ebsen, contrary <laughs> to Amelia's protestations. It would have been a lot more interesting if it, it was Buddy Ebsen, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, and that they, Jeanette walked in and they were, they were, they were making the beast with two backs. That there were some doodles out. <laughs> you just got to make it worse. You got to double down. Sweet music. I don't know why you always do this. <laughs> it's just like you can just say it in because a normal it, the way. The idea of Jeanette, I'm sorry, RIP to Jeanette McDonald, but I'm different. I think the <laughs> idea of walking in and seeing your husband having sex with Buddy Rogers is really funny, personally, <laughs> because why would Buddy Rogers ever have sex with somebody who looks like Gene Raymond. True. Buddy Rogers, for people who don't know, I guess, because again, Buddy Rogers is not, you know, on uh, he's not exactly like on the cover of Entertainment Tonight, or that's not a Entertainment <laughs> Weekly, or he's not on Entertainment Tonight with Mario Lopez. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck I'm talking about? You're talking about everything I say tonight. Uh, Buddy, Buddy Rogers was like uh, America's boyfriend was his nickname. He was a major silent star in the late 1920s, very youthful, handsome, very much like Tiger Beat material, teen dream, uh, wings, you know, the whole thing. So he's he's very beautiful. And in the 1930s, he was still ex- incredibly handsome. And uh, I just find it very difficult to believe that of all the people in the whole, the entirety of Hollywood, that one could be knocking boots with it would be gene raymond i just find because gene raymond's not good looking True. i mean yeah he definitely was punching above his yes. weight there i find it i find it very i just i don't believe it i don't believe that they would enter 
this relationship as equals. But the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> and the heart wanted diet. Wanted diet and also Eddie. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can't have the the real thing, you go for I can't believe it's not Nelson Eddie. <laughs> I would I would argue I am um, I have read a lot of fan magazines. It's a hobby yes. I have. I thought you were gonna say fan fiction. <laughs> I've read a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> I've written a lot of Buddy Rogers fan fiction and No, it's a it's a, a hobby I have, but I've read a lot of these and there was a phase where Buddy Rogers insisted on being referred to as Charles quote Buddy quote Rogers. <laughs> that yeah, that was like that isn't he credited as that in Wings? Yeah. So yes. there was this whole period where he was like really trying to uh sort of shrug off the whole Buddy Rogers thing and he wanted to be taken very seriously and that screams to me a a level of insecurity that might explain settling <laughs> for Gene Raymond. Like I can well, kind of yeah. see it. I mean, Mary at the time, obviously Mary's Mary's star has dimmed um, in terms of like actual like performance, but Mary Pickford is still one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. Yeah, and mm. that psychological jump off there is just like, whoa, Mama. But maybe he really wanted to feel su- superior to someone. He couldn't feel superior <laughs> to Mary because she's a goddess. <laughs> Um, and an angel. And so, like, it was obvious. It's so easy to feel superior to Gene Raymond. I mean, <laughs> I do, and I've never even met the man. So I, I guess that makes sense. You know, um, I just, I, I just, I, that to me is just so strange because obviously 1936, I mean, you got, you've got a, a whole host of options, you know? Um, very, very disturbing to me personally. And I feel very sad for Buddy Rogers. It is a very bad story. It's a bad point in Buddy Rogers' life. Yeah, it's 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 the nadir of Buddy Rogers' uh, <laughs> lifetime, probably. That's gross and sad. <laughs> Just like these movies were. Just like these movies were. The more I think about it. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I also have a really good joke. Um, I don't know why <laughs> I wrote down this way. Because I don't... Oh, right, because... Because Amelia made a joke about Luares being there, and I don't remember what the context was for that. Because why would was Luares on the ship? Did I? I think yeah, that was one me. Of you did. Yeah. Okay. So Tiff made a joke about Luares because Tiff's always making jokes about Luares because she's obsessed. Hey. Um, back to the, comparing him to the berries and cream lad from the Skittles commercial. <laughs> Fuck off! Uh, it's not my <laughs> fault if he looked like that. <laughs> uh, just because we were talking, I can't remember where Luares came into this conversation. Um, but like it was something like we would believe it if Luares said that it happened. I don't know. Um, but I wrote down that Luares' voice, uh, Gene Raymond and Buddy Rogers were in the closet making babies, and I saw one of the babies, and the baby looked at me. <laughs> so that's all I have to contribute. Maybe looked at you, Sarah. Get me Superintendent Chalmers. Thank you, Sarah. You know, Lou Ayers, exactly. Like, why wasn't Buddy Rogers putting the moves on Lou Ayers? You know? <laughs> I can never get a real good reading on Lou Ayers. He's just sort of weird He's and a really distant. weird guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get the same vibe from him that I get from kind of like French Tone, which is like a little bit of a little bit of bitterness, you know? Well, I mean, I well, get a, has like a lot of bitterness. bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like... Yeah, I'm thinking about that. That's not entirely accurate. Um, No, he's got a bit of that, like, Bob Montgomery, Franchot, like, uh, you know, I could have been a contender kind of thing about him. Um, I don't know. It's like a a polite disdain for his profession and his fellow players. (laughs) Like, he's, I don't know, is he, he, was he Dr. Kildare? Is that him? There were so many of those fucking movies. But, like, I tried watching them and I'm just like, 
Man, there are so many of these for them to be like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dr. Kildare. Let me, I had something to say about Dr. Kildare. What, what do I have to say about Dr. Kildare? I like that we're staying on message with Anne Sullivan and Jane Raymond. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, Dr. Kildare. Well, because you knew where I was going to take this, right? Is it disgusting? Don't say that like we know how your brain works. <laughs> we know the Dr. Okay. Kildare fact that I'm going to come up with. Well, you know who first plays Dr. Kildare. You know who the original Dr. Kildare is. I don't right? know what you're doing. It's not a dirty fact. <laughs> just get to it's the not point. Sexual, I mean, it's kind of sexual, but it's just Joel was Dr. Kildare. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, fuck, right. Joel okay, yeah. Joel was the Dr. Kildare. And interns can't take money. Yeah. I don't know if Amelia knew that. Which is weird because, no, I didn't know that, but also... Joel doesn't look like he would have clean hands to be a doctor. <laughs> Joel plays the doctor twice, I'll have you know, and he's very good in private worlds from 1935. He actually plays a very, he, well, he comes across as being a little dumb, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, which I wouldn't trust him to be my medical professional. Remember when um, I, I was reading something about how uh, Francis, um, his wife, Francis D, picked him over Joe Mankiewicz. And there was some line about how, like, you know, she'd been dating Mankiewicz, who was one of, like, the intellectual lights of Hollywood. And then she went with Joel, who couldn't spell cat. And <laughs> it was clearly, like, a fake quote, but somebody quoted as if it was, like, a real thing. And I was like, damn. Well, apparently Joel comes across as being so stupid that people really take it at face value that somebody would imply that he can't read. Can you Robert blame Stack. them? Well, I mean. Robert Stack can't read either. <laughs> <laughs> which i guess was like a long-running thing merle oberon and i think it was david niven used to play jokes on robert stack where they try and get him involved in intellectual uh conversations just to embarrass him which is actually kind of mean though, that's so mean it. that's me with that's joel so though i do that and <laughs> also probably do it to robert stack um but like i love how you managed to get yet another mention of well Joel you brought up dr kildare <laughs> You brought up blue airs. Well, because Tiff brought up blue airs. Yeah, like three weeks ago. Why? Well, why? I, I, okay, look, my notes were written three weeks ago. I love three that Candace is like blue airs. I love that Candace is like, oh, I don't remember mentioning the nudist, but like, here's some obscure thing Tiff said about blue airs three weeks ago. Because I wrote it down. I do at the remember time because I thought it was funny that we were talking about blue airs. Anyway, whatever. Maybe blue airs was on the ship. Maybe he was involved in this. Maybe he slipped into this this Gene Raymond. Don't buddy fucking say sandwich. it. You're... I don't know. I wish he had. I wish that Buddy had picked Lou Ayers over him. I don't think Lou Ayers swung that way. I've never gotten that impression from Lou. No. Uh, Lou, unfortunately, just strikes me as a very boring straight man. I but I don't even know about that because he, like, he wasn't happy with Ginger Rogers. That is which, true. like, puts me in, like, some frame. Like, he never seemed like he was happy with Ginger Rogers, which is, like, weird to me. Well, Lou is a conscientious objector, and Ginger Rogers was, <laughs> like... Yeah, the I mean, yeah, she was, was like a fascist. So she was, a, yeah, a warhound. So I can understand. I probably wouldn't be happy being married to Ginger either. <laughs> if, when it came down to ideological differences, but not that I would notice that because I'd be too busy, you know, Jocelyn. And I just I'm gonna leave it to Jocelyn. So maybe if that maybe Lou wasn't interested in Jocelyn. Her maybe we should call it a day before you get a little too dirty for. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now we're too proud to talk about what really happened in that <laughs> stateroom somewhere out on the Atlantic Ocean on that fateful day in 1930s, whatever. I see how it is. I don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is half of the problem. Candace um, always acts like she's some oppressed minority and like we're like censoring everything she says, <laughs> like we're the Hayes Code and 
Yeah. She has to conform to are. all of our weird rules. But really, she's just disgusting <laughs> and we're protecting our listeners. Shielding them from the truth. Just like Will Hayes. Is Will Hayes, is Hayes' first name Will? Did I make that up? Yeah. I was going to say Joseph <laughs> Breen and then my brain went, oh, no, don't say Joseph Breen. Say Will Hayes. It's Will. It's Will Hayes. Yes. Well, then my brain was like, no, you're thinking of Will Rogers. It's really late here. You're it's 930 at night, which is way after. <laughs> I'm always thinking about Will Rogers. <laughs> 9.30 is not that late. You're the youngest member of this crew. <laughs> Physically only, spiritually, <laughs> mentally, and emotionally. I was there on the boat that night. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. How do, you think, do, do you think Mary Pickford knew? Because I saw something online because it said that Jeanette was the one who discovered them, but I was reading something and briefly was like, oh, and then Mary was there too and Mary knew. And I'm like, I don't feel like Mary Pickford could stay married to a man who was sleeping with I mean, well, I guess, well, I don't know. Fairbanks cheated on her a lot, right? Yeah, so. but not with Gene Raymond. She's not with Gene Raymond. <laughs> yeah. I can see that being like, you know, that's one thing. But Gene Raymond, that's really insulting. I was going to say, do we think that Louis Mayer really tried to have Nelson Eddy killed? Do we believe that? Yes. You believe that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, I'm like, mm. I wouldn't put anything past Louis B. Yeah. Mayer. If I woke up tonight... And Louis B. Mayer was standing beside my bed with a knife to my throat. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, <laughs> this is going to be the least listenable episode we've ever recorded. I think there's like no content in this. Well, there's no content. And also we knew that it was not going to be great because this is the third time we tried to record it. And we're all just like really tired and want to just get something in the can. So I think we knew there would be nothing to say about any of these movies. And you know, I, th I think we did the best with what we had, much like Anne in these movies. Yep. Thanks for bringing <laughs> there it back we around go. Tiff. Woof. And Jeanette McDonald in her marriage. Yeah. Fuck. And and Buddy Rogers taking the closest possible opportunity. Not maybe the one he would have relished, but, you know, seizing the day. Look, we can't always get what we want. We can't always get the, you know, sour cream and onion Pringles. Sometimes we just have to settle for original Pringles, you know? That's profound. Gene Raymond, original print. Oh, fuck. I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> the original Primble. <laughs> oh, no. You have to make original Primble the, the title of the episode, please. Gene, Gene Raymond, Raymond, original Primble. <laughs> this is my worst nightmare. <laughs> okay, we need to end it. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to whatever that was we appreciate your continued support give us a good review tell your friends about this i did hear that apparently the best way to get publicity is word of mouth for podcasts oh, so yeah. if you like this tell is your that friends the word on the street um that is the word on the street so um i should fucking i work vaguely in a marketing space i'm not a marketer please don't, don't misconstrue anything judge me on that don't misconstrue. don't don't put hang-ups on me. I'm I'm a designer, not a marketer. But word of mouth, tell your friends if you like the show. Don't tell them if you didn't, because that would be bad. Don't tell them to start with this one. Don't tell them to start with this one, please, God. <laughs> or even the first episode. It's very controversial. If you hate listen, that's fine too, because it still listens. We'll take them. <laughs> we'll take them. If you love hate listening, you should try hate brushing your teeth with Quip. Fuck off. For... <laughs> 
Go to quip.com no, and use. They're not giving code us money yet. Puppet fist <laughs> for <laughs> puppet fist. Use code Joel McRae. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, definitely don't watch the films we talked about today, but continue to support Anne Southern and all her wonderful comedian comedic work. Don't support Gene Raymond because he's an asshole. Tell us if you have uh, any Lou Ayres gay sex stories. Forward them to our email address. And you can send us requests for movies to do, but we are very determined in what movies we will and won't cover. So you can try, but there's a large possibility you will fail. So it's in the trying, though. Don't give up on yourself. So don't send recommendations, but do send erotic fan fiction is what Amelia is trying to say. Don't do that. That is not what I'm saying. Do not listen to Candace. Read between the lines of what Amelia is saying. And please submit. I think I think I've made it very clear where I stand on horniness and hornies. If I so much as see any erotic fan fiction, I will hunt you down and kill you. Bye. 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 I was beginning to decay. Dry rot was setting in. Nothing interested me except coffee. Mm-hmm. People were beginning to point you out in the street and say, there goes that old coffee wreck. Look at me now. I'm alive, throbbing, eager.